Next month, Anal Nothrock will release their 11th full-length in Darkenment via Metal Blade Records. Extremity has been Anal Nothrock's stock in trade for more than two decades, and with Indarkenment, they maintain their legacy of aural devastation. Purchase your copy now at metalblade.com slash Nothrock. Once again, Indarkenment. Purchase your copy now. Metalblade.com slash Nothrock. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, my friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Spych. I am always joined by... You can call me Brandon Hahn. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And I am Sylvia. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at it's the Sylvia. If you guys want to follow our other co-hosts, Joslyn Sharp, that's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to follow me, my tagline is on our other podcast. It's at Rise to Offend. That's on Facebook and Twitter. Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. This week, one of our favorite records of last year was Brutus's Nest, and so I'm very excited to talk to Peter from Brutus. We are here to promote their new live record. Live and hence, it is coming out October 23rd guys you can be pre-ordering it now so make sure you do that hang in there the interview will be here shortly but until then let's jump into the metal sucks news who's dying who's fighting who's dying who's racist who's raping who's rapping Who's okay. rapping? Who, what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, rap, rape, or death? <laughs> well, racism, too. <laughs> oh, racism. Uh, well, I guess we can, I guess, jump into, uh, man. It's the four R's of the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, God. It's like rape, racism, I don't want to say this is rape, but we're going to jump into a maybe sexual transgression story. Okay. And oh. that was um, Rob Halford try to seduce original okay. Rob Halford. Okay, right, okay. Let's right just, away. Right let's away. erase the rape out of the conversation. Like, you kind of, like, led us to believe that this might be going, I'm like, no, no, this is no. just a guy trying Seduces. to get some ass. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, some dick. I think, yeah, thank I, you. You want some dick. Wow, Sylvia, always on your mind. Thank you. I, I, I do feel dick. I did set it up where it wasn't rapey. <laughs> you did. I can't, you were like, you're like, you said, you go, well, uh, sexual transgressions. I'm like, sexual transgressions, make it a move. Okay. Is seduction a sexual transgression no. in 2020? No. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, a it's a good point. Well, it'd be like if a chick was drunk and like trying to get all up on your business. Sylvia, have what? you... Okay, but you, if the role was reversed and a guy was drunk and trying to get up all in your business... That's our... Yeah, that's... That, that's borderline. No, no, that's not... To some, that's flat out. Oh, boy. We can't have this conversation. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Talking about anyway, rap. We're talking anyway, about rap. Dick. What? Huh? <laughs> Back to Dick. <laughs> Always. 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 Um, Rob Halford, and he has a new idol, um, autobiography coming out called Confess the Autobiography. Yes, he called it the autobiography. Or the. Okay, well, you thee'd me, and this is true. It mm. could be the. The definitely has some weight behind mm-hmm. it. What gives more weight, the autobiography or the autobiography? The. No, no. Only First if you off, have an accent. Wait, 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 wait. You say the. Like, who knows the autobiography? No, it's always the autobiography, not the. It's like the hotel that uh, Mandalay yeah. Bay used to have. God. The hotel. It's called the hotel. It's Pete's- the hotel. <laughs> Pete's marketing my friend is sister, way off. My friend's sister worked there, and it's the hotel. Yeah. That beer marketing, God, I would hate to have Pete as a marketing strategist. I can't like- sell. <laughs> no. Eat, eat the hamburger. Well, what's on it? The onions. The pickles. <laughs> the meat. <laughs> the cheese is optional. Oh, man. But the hamburger, I'm Well. Mm, Stuff it in my mouth. Confess. The autobiography. (laughs) I digress. Touche. You win. Okay. Okay. The autobiography. All right. The the Turbo Lover. (laughs) This this was in 1980, way before Turbo. Okay. This was on the British Steel Tour. But this is what he said. Um, We didn't really hang out and banter with Maiden much on that tour. 1980 British Steel Tour. Iron Maiden is opening for Judas Priest. That would have been a fucking killer show to see, by the way. Um, 
Well, without Bruce Dickinson, I don't know. I love Bruce. I don't I'm like sorry, Paul Dino. <laughs> but, anyways, let's. And then just... when you watch Bruce, the energy that he brings. Uh, okay, we're totally getting off. We're going to go for it. And we're talking me, about... That's me bringing us back. By the say way, say the subject line again so we can get back on. Dick. There you Thank go. you. Okay. Boom. <laughs> this is this is an excerpt <laughs> from the, the autobiography. We didn't really hang out in the banter with Maiden much on that tour, but maybe I took Diano's comment that he would blow Priest off the stage too literally. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> Rob, you like, maybe I took this. Did, okay, first off, then he put it like this. Maybe I took it too literally when he said they would dot 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 blow. No, no, exclam- like all all capitals. The dot dot dot, which is known as an ellipsis. Thank you. Okay, was after <laughs> would blow priest off stage too literally ellipsis. Mm. So he no. did it after ellipsis, ellipsis not before and, blow. Guess what? Ellipsis mm-hmm. and dot dot dot, same amount of syllables. I'm saving the same amount of time. I'm sticking with dot dot dot. Okay, uh, right. and I'm going to blow you off the stage. Oh, mm, literally. Now, if it were like blow me backstage, then now, now you're yeah, making the, sense. Yeah, that would. Yeah, now, his excerpt doesn't make sense. But blow you off the stage, like blow you off the stage. First off, you have to. He be made like, a joke. No, no, comics. No. <laughs> right? I'm just saying, like you have to be hoping that he says something like that for when he's like, "We're going to blow you off the stage," and then Rob's like, "All right, okay, All right. I'm going to continue." Where you're going. I see. Subtle I see where you're going with that. I'm going right. to be screaming for vengeance in your bottom. Um, oh my! I'm sorry, God. This was the British Steel tour. Chaps. You keep going ahead. You keep going ahead I'm in the sorry. catalog. Stick with British Steel and back. I'm just like throwing out Judas Priest names. Songs, name, titles. There you go. <laughs> we left off at the ellipsis. At the ellipsis. Okay. <laughs> Literally. Dot, dot, ellipsis. Dot. But dot, dot, dot. Because the one night we got drunk together, I tried to seduce him. Exclamation mark. We went to my room to carry on drinking, but I was too pissed to try anything, and he was too pissed to even know what I wanted to try. I think that now, was... Now, pissed means drunk, not like angry. No. no yeah, I yeah. I just he's, yeah. Yeah. He's uh, English. He's yes. proper. Okay, so... If he went for this, do you think Paul Diano, let's just speculate, pissed in the tour bus, do you think Paul Diano would have outed him, gotten a fight? Because Paul Diano later on in life, we've, we learn is he's kind of a criminal. He's got a bad past. He says homophobic slurs. He, he, he is, he is now, a, the only thing that made me think he would actually go for it is the fact that he says, says homophobic, homophobic slurs. slurs. Meaning yes. you'll go for it. Because yeah, normally exactly. that means that there's like you're a closet. Like, yeah, yeah. Like when you're so full of hate and you're just constantly throwing out insert group here like you know because there's there's it's yeah. a, it's a mirror yeah, yeah. You, you there's something about there's something about them that it makes you envy. hate yourself yeah, yeah there's envy there so with that question at the at the at the door why do you think he would have put this in his confess the to get the metal sucks podcast to talk about no it. no that, you know that's not why he did it but why oh, why, so. why well, that's what i would think <laughs> see that's what i'm saying what's what's obvious to me pete's like there's no way i'm like dude the guy's trying to sell books this is what there, you do you there talk- needs to be like some kind of controversy yeah and here's the thing they could go to paul and they could ask him what happened and he's gonna go i was uh, what the fuck are you talking about i don't even remember yeah. that like i remember getting well, drunk with happened. rob like that's what i'm getting yeah. at it's like I've, I've gotten drunk with rob like a thousand times so if rob's just looking for little things to put into mm-hmm. the book to get people talking why not throw in a part where he's like oh i wanted to seduce it but i didn't <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean that's it's so so simple. Like there's no there's there's no reason to not put it in there because there's nothing to lose. It's like if Paul's going to get so angry about the idea that somebody wanted to fuck him, I mean you're just going to make it harder on yourself and just, your career. I just feel like the story is kind of like like you said. I, I get that it's a grab. It's like oh, it's a clickbait. It's a little clickbait grab or whatever like that. But I just feel like out of all of Rob Story's life, you know. An autobiography. I don't know how many pages this book is going to be. Right, right. But again, yeah. But this seems like the most controversial in in like the book, right? And and on top of that too, it's not like Rob Helfer probably has seduced like straight men into banging him. But the thing is, though, is this is this is another guy that's part of another legendary band. Again, it's like why not bring up the time where I thought about fucking this dude, you know? And then nothing ended up happening. (laughs) It's such a win-win thing. I mean, yeah, there is no there's no trouble there at all. Right. I, I, I see, I see your point. I, I just, feel I don't like, think it was anything like malice. No, it. I don't either. No. Yeah, just, now, now, if Rob Halford went out and fucked the lead singer of Dangerous Toys, then no one's going to give a shit. But Iron Maiden, one of the singers, like, <laughs> I've <laughs> never heard of this band, Dangerous Toys. There you go, and that's why we're not talking about it. Have you? Mm-mm. That's that's a real band. 
It's a real band, and I don't know if Rob Halford ever did something like that. The only reason I know it, <laughs> I, know. I, know, I know for a fact, I mean, it's like the only reason, the only reason I know the, the name Dangerous Toys is because I went to the Tijuana. I mean, I went to uh, the Hard, Hard Rock Cafe in Tijuana, and that was the only band that they had merch <laughs> of signed oh, no. at the Hard Aww. Rock in Tijuana. Dangerous toys. They had okay. This is a band. I just looked it up from 1987 to present. They're still. They're from Austin, Texas. Oh man. Um, and you're saying that the Hard Rock in Tijuana has what now? Like signed memorabilia of Dangerous Toys. That was, it was the like, only thing. That was like that was like the band that I saw the most of, and it was like you know. Then they might have had like a poster from Prince, but what? it was just a poster. It they wasn't anything it wasn't signed, signed by. Yeah, it's just like here's a Prince poster. They have right. a gold record, and obviously, um, yeah, they're much more popular than I thought. I never heard of them. But that's my point. It's like if Rob Halford were to seduce the lead singer of that band, why put that in the book? Pete doesn't know who Dangerous yeah. Toys are. But if it's, it's Iron Maiden, and it's and it might not. No, granted, if it were Bruce Dickinson, I would probably get an even bigger pop. Dick- Dickinson. So if you're Gary Dickinson, <laughs> really, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> really, Dick, what? Dick, Dick and Rob. Anyway, Dick uh, and Rob. literally, uh, literally, ellipsis, ellipsis. Uh, dot dot dot. Jesus, you guys. <laughs> All right, ellipsis. Moving on. <laughs> awkward. <laughs> dot was, dot dot. That was awkward ellipsis. <laughs> awkward <laughs> ellipsis. All right, moving on to the next story, guys. Uh, the Adler Brothers from Lamb of God. Now, the Lamb of God put out a record uh, a couple months ago. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it. You, I thought it was top heavy. First half was incredible. And then oh, the I like the first few, four or five songs, but I it, like the first four. I or have five to revisit. Songs. I'm not going to say that I hated the second no, half. I, I thought there were no. some. I, there were some really good songs in the second half, but again, it was just super. Like the Didn't first four or five me. songs, I mean, it really like wound up and punched you right in the throat. And then the other ones, it was kind of like. You know, they were trying to incorporate some more uh, celebrity tracks on it. Oh, you're talking about, like, they, they had, yeah, the Justice yeah. and the Chuck Believe. This is the first Lamb of God record that just, I, I kind of listened to it a few times. Like, that's eh, good, and I, I shelved it, but I never wanted to go back to it. This is the first one huh. of their whole career. Yeah, so it didn't work for me at all for some reason. I've seen you do this before, though. And, and then, then I come back and later. And then you come back, and you, uh, again, yeah. it's like totally well, unbeknownst to you. You listen to it, like, oh, shit. I yeah. will. I will revisit it for yeah. sure. I haven't given it the, the due. I, I think I gave it, like, yeah, a week. And now I, I can like, listen no. to a record. I can listen to a record like two or three times and just be like, I, I know I don't. I, I'm like, eh, I don't, and, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll listen to it later and be like, eh, you Still. know. Now, granted, it's got to be like the only time that's ever happened where I've listened to something. The opposite like happens it. to me more. Yeah, yeah. The only time, the only time it happened where I listened to something later is like when I was a teenager yeah. and I'm like, eh, and then now all of a sudden I listen to something. I'm like, wow, you know what? Oasis really wasn't that bad. You know, it's just they're not. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, they're definitely not. But no, I, it happens more where I listen to something that I was like, wow, this is great. And then I had to be in a certain mood or time frame. Then I listened to it years later and I'm like, I don't connect anymore. That happens to me more. But yeah. uh, this this one didn't didn't stick with me. So the only reason we're bringing it up is that Willie Adler addressed uh, you know his brother Chris Adler leaving the band. Um, he's not on the new record, and that has nothing to do with my opinion of the new record whatsoever. Really, um, oh, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously I want him on the record. He didn't but... give us five stars. I'm fucking out of this piece of shit. Group. No, no, no. <laughs> I need to go somebody that's ascending. I'm, I'm saying that it it, it didn't uh, it didn't that wasn't the reason. I'm like, hey, this isn't Lamb of God. No, it's still Lamb of God. You guys definitely check it out. But the point is, Willie was asked on a podcast. Uh, Lamgo podcast, I believe it's called the Van Flip podcast. Um, his relationship with Chris, and he goes, You would have to ask him. I would like to think that he's doing well. I really want him to be doing well. I just haven't talked to him. I really want him to be doing well. Meaning they haven't even spoken, right? Uh, uh, that's, and that's, but that's sad. a but that's a that's a branch though. It's either he did something fucked up to Chris or said something fucked up to Chris, and he, this is kind of like the way that he's extending the branch. That's sort of his apology from a distance. Right, right. Yeah. I feel or like, he's just trying to save face in front of the media. I feel like there's a certain point. Well, they're family, so I think they'll meet again. But I feel like there's a certain point when people get to a certain age that when when you have separation for a long time, there is no coming back. Family members, everybody. I've always felt that way. Now, when you're 20 and someone, you guys have this drama, then you can be best friends again and hug it out and stuff like that. But I feel like when you get to a certain age, like the bullshit clause for people is like so razor thin that you'll be like, hey, you know what? I'm. I'm not. I don't even know why we're fighting anymore. But I've moved on. That's what it is. When you reach a certain age, you know exactly where you can win and where you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And when you reach a disagreement, whether it's between family or friends, that you just can't get over. Um, the love is still there. I'm sure he still loves his brother. I mean, it shows it right there in the right. Uh, oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. But personally, it's like you just know that this isn't someone that 
you can spend a whole lot of time with. Yeah. I, like, you know, we all have family members, you know, that uh, it's tough to be around and, you know, you argue with all the time, but, uh, you know, you just got to enjoy them in, sh- in short doses. And when you're family like this... And That's even harder. Yeah, and you're in a band, it's like very, very rarely do I see that work out. Where yeah. it's like, you see you see a group like a, a Chevelle, or you'll see a group like... Um, you know, that will that have their brother, they know they can rely on each other, and they'll go as far as they can. But, I mean, you use that band as an example. When that original brother left, the distance between that family might have been huge, or maybe they're closer. I don't know. The point is is that I just think when it, it happened when they were younger, the older you get, it's always going to come back to the moment where one felt betrayed, one didn't feel like someone was loyal to them. Yeah, you it's always going to come back to those moments. You know what it is, though? You just have to avoid getting to the getting to an argument because the second if you, you go to an argument, somebody's going to bring that up. What about the one time you got behind and dry? And you're like, ah, fuck. Yeah, right. If you have to walk on eggshells in any conversation with any person, can't be around them. You can't yeah. be around them. The older you get, you can't yeah. be around them. And that's, that's the sad part is like when I'm watching this unfold and all that stuff is that like it's it's real hard at a certain point like I said it's just a different different mindset because time is limited to regurgitate things and stuff like that so heartbreaking to I, I the, the thing is is that even though Chris Adler left the band in my mind I never thought the brothers had a, a conflict I just thought it was like he was moving on to do his thing but well, it might have also Chris been... Adler Chris Adler did say, he's like, well, he's family, so I'll talk to them. But he did say he wasn't going to talk to the other guys in some nice way, you mm-hmm. know, anymore. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's no no more reason for him to talk to the other guys. Look, so. he's handling it like a pro. Yeah. They obviously had artistic differences. And pr- I'm sure Chris wanted to go one way because, look, when you're Chris Adler and you're hailed as one of the top drummers in the game, you are going to get some clout. And I think when you're part of Lamb of God and you have other members that are also hailed as the top Mm -hmm. in their field, you know, look, egos are going to clash and it's hard for all these guys who are at the top of their game to look to one person and go, all right, look, let's just settle on one voice because all of them think that they're worth it. All of them think that they could lead. Eventually there's going to be a a confess the autobiography by uh, someone in Lamb of God Mm -hmm. where where they'll try and fuck uh, the lead singer of Chimera (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't going. I wasn't going that know. route. I was. Right. Go, I was going. We're going to find out where the where the breaking point was for this. Oh. I, was I wasn't trying, going with the. Fuck I was anybody. trying to sell future copies of their book if it's yeah. coming out. That's basically. I'm trying to take. Who knows what, what's going? Yeah. What's going to sell? And here's the thing. Yeah, it's like Randy Blythe wanted to bang this person, but he didn't. Ooh, what a page turner! I know. Randy, got <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm intrigued. What a page yeah. turner! Randy got drunk. He looked at someone and found them sexually attractive, but then he decided I'm too drunk and fell back asleep. <laughs> Chapter end. <laughs> Finn. And Odorous was no longer with us. <laughs> That's how. Oh, God. Oh. oh. That's a bad Richmond, Virginia joke. Because I liked it. I loved Odorous. You know. I did too. But, but you know, Randy liked... and Odorous might have gotten drunk together. Look, look, Let's just I, say. I don't know. I, it was, Odorous. I, first off, confess, you're saying Randy a, tried to seduce me. You're saying it was a bad joke. I'm saying it was a good joke. I'm giving you a big old pat on the back. Good job. You're welcome. So, good hustle. Last story we want to talk about before we jump into our interview with uh, Peter from Brutus. Is uh, it's actually this this post came off of uh, one of our episodes a couple weeks back. I got to talk to Maurizio from Cataclysm about their new album Unconquered, which is coming out, I believe, September twenty fifth. If you guys haven't pre ordered that one, and uh, he brought up in my uh, interview with him uh, that to postpone or not release your album if it's complete during this time is unmetal. So meaning as in like, hey man, you should give the fans if it's done and it's time, you should give the fans the stuff. Um, that's what metal's about. Metal was never primarily about the money and the budgets and all that stuff. Obviously, you know, I it's a different time, but if you're going to break down your terminology of metal, what do you think, Brandon? See, I was just going to say this. Uh, again, when I was in my younger years, you just talk about younger. It's like, you know, you have this vitriol for people that you consider a sellout, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not... That's it's such a broad term. There is no exact frame of what a sellout is. When you ask a hundred different metal guys, they're gonna go, "This guy sold out when he cut his hair. This guy sold out when they did get the you know." There's always that. Metallica sold out when they cut their hair, Brandon. Right, right, exactly. And when they did point. their first music video. Thank yeah. son of a bitch. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I didn't no know that. bass player on the album. How dare you, Metallica? But my deal is, is there's always that. That's not metal. That's not metal. And whenever you watch the metal bands that have actually persevered the test of time, Mm -hmm. they'll be the first ones to tell you, who the fuck are you to tell me what metal is? So I don't necessarily like that phrase. I don't like the way he phrased it, 
But at the same time, I do see where he's coming from. This We do need each other, and the yeah. metal community especially needs each other. So why not release these albums, get people excited, because when you go, go, go back out on the road, everyone's going to know your album, everybody's going to know all the words. And if I were an artist, I would take this opportunity to go, all right, look, we're going to change the set list now. We got like three or four songs that we got to play. We have to play. Mm-hmm. But let's play a lot of these new tracks and do exactly and give back to the people like like Pete, for example, mm-hmm. who only want to see the band play music off their new record. You could take that opportunity right now. But Momentum, the press, everything, the tour that usually accompanies a release with the album, you know, that whole cycle where everybody's excited about it, the, excited the about the new song part and all that of it, stuff. Right? Yeah, that's stalled. When you release a record, it's just going to be kind of a standalone thing for the fans, which I think is cool. Don't get me wrong. But you you can't really go out and promote it face-to-face to the world. You can't get those songs in their head. When I bring up the Lamb of God record not impressing me, now if I saw them live and I listened to the record and I saw those songs in my face, I'd be like, whoa, now I love the song. That's part of the process, right? And if they if they uh, released a, a, like an album now, do you think it would be forgotten like later down the line? Because there isn't like enough promotion. For I've it. talked about this in interviews since March and April. Some artists are like, "No, there's not the music will always uh, the music will always be there, and we'll play it a year from now. People are still going to like the songs and know mm-hmm. the songs," which I do believe is going to be the case. But I think as an artist, when you're not out there pumping the songs out, you're not going to have that same passion for it. You're just going to want to write something new. Mm-hmm. When I do something new, what it's creative, I'm excited in this bubble of time frame if that's allowed okay this is cool i'm getting this out i'm done with this yada 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 and then if i have to revisit something i did seven months ago let's just say eight months ago to get excited about it it's not the same sometimes Mm -hmm. for for creative types that's all i'm saying i understand what you're saying and you are right about a time frame about max excitement Mm -hmm. i get the max excitement thing but I think there's a fine line between recording a song in a studio for the fans and then I know I have to play this song for the fans coming up. I think it'll be able be a way for them to revisit that excitement. The, I think they because I know what you mean. Where it's like five six months from now, after you release the record, yeah, the excitement's gonna kind of dip. A you might want to write something new. Is my you point. might want to write something new, but at the same time, though, like a year from now, you're not gonna have a new record a year from now. And if it is, let's face it, you're probably gonna stretch yourself thin on that new record. Mm-hmm. So have a ramp. I think it's it's good to have that ramp of, okay, now I, this music has settled into me. Now I know when I go out on stage and kill it, I know exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to vibe off that energy because I think the crowd itself, once they hear those songs for the first time, like just like what Pete was saying, they're also going to be hyped. You're going to feed off that energy. These guys play those same songs over and over again. When you have thousands of people, hundreds of people in, in some situations, screaming the words of your song and showing that energy, that's going to hype you up no matter how many times you did the song. Look at Ozzy, for Christ's sake. How many times do you see him? Uh, he's practically dead by the end of the show, but he always springs back up for Paranoid. It's incredible. But that's because of the energy of the audience. Yeah, I, I think... I, I I think you should release the record if it's complete and not let this get in the way. I do truly feel that, um, but I also I have to I have to believe that business wise you have to realize hey not a lot of people are going to go out and buy your record right now not as many people that would and I also think you have to come to terms with uh, this record might not get the attention it deserved because of the times those are two things you have to just be like all right. I did a great work. I'm just going to put it out there for the fans. And I appreciate that. And, and they're I just th- taking the risk at that point. Yeah, but I, I think you have to realize there is a risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, with uh, with that. And um, I just think what I, I just I don't necessarily see that much of a risk. I just think that when, like, when the band comes to town and the fans of the band see that, I don't think it's going like, to matter if, if, the, if they just put out a record or if they're going to put out a record a year from now and then tour in support of that at that time mm-hmm. frame. I think once they know that band's coming, who gives a shit? Let's go see them. A band mm-hmm. like Cataclysm, who's been around 30 years you know, and, and has put in, I don't know, 14 records or however many they have, yeah, I don't think it will affect them. Lamb of God, eighth record, first in five years, might affect them that record a little bit to me, but the newer bands, if they put out a record right now and they don't get that same momentum that they were having. I'm talking about new music. It could affect them. You're right. There, yeah. there I, guess is it, a, I guess it varies. There is a business thing in the momentum yeah. of younger bands. I'm you with know? you on that, but I also think there's a detriment to waiting. If you're a younger band and you struck gold or like right away with an album, put that album out because you don't want to wait mm-hmm. 
and let that opportunity start to fade away. Jump on it. Yeah. No, hey, you know, none of us know. We love talking about it, though. And again, I'm not in a band. I'm not in a touring band. Okay. If Pete and I tour together, I'd probably uh, kill him and he'd try to seduce me. But my thing is, is like, <laughs> it would make for a great I'd get book. Pissed. <laughs> you get pissed and try to seduce <laughs> me, which makes no sense in American. You're weird. <laughs> Not get pissed means I'm mad. Oh, okay. Now you're saying getting drunk. I'd get drunk and then I'd get mad. Yeah. And then you try to seduce Goose? And then you try to seduce yeah. yeah. Anybody that tries to seduce me when I'm drunk, I get mad. Step away from me. Yeah, good move. Step uh, away from me. Really? What if you try to seduce Gooch? Mm, I'd get mad. I'm not a seductor. No, I wouldn't get mad. I'd go, Pete, put your dick away. Yeah. Let's pretend this didn't happen. <laughs> just like, she's coming at you at it with it. <laughs> and then I'd, then, I'd, then I'd say, good day, sir. And then that would be it. Good, good day, sir, good day, is actually sir. the terminology I like to put my dick away. That's the only way you can kill Pete's yeah. boner, is Got if it. you say good day, sir, his boner goes, <laughs> All right. I just mind. see Steve Coogan, I'm not. Out. out. Done. Out. Done. Who needs him? <laughs> Stupid. Anyways, with that, guys, let's jump into our interview with Peter from Brutus. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Peter from Brutus. We are here to promote the new live record, Brutus, live in Hint, which is coming out October 23rd. Now, Peter, let's go back a couple months before we start talking about the record. Um, you guys were one of the bands. You had a headlining tour coming out here for three weeks in the States, where I'm, I'm from, and um, it did have to get canceled due to this pandemic, but I think a lot of our listeners don't understand what goes into the process of you guys getting visas and all that stuff to come out here uh, to play in America. So tell us about what what is the end result of not being able to come out here as far as getting money back for those visas and the financial repercussions that happen for just having to cancel that tour here in America? Yeah, it's horrible, <laughs> to be yes. honest. It's, yeah, it's, you know, when you're from Europe and you want to tour the stage that... Yeah, you, you heard the stories about going through a process and paying a lot of money, but yeah, now we actually did it and it's like, yeah, it's a lot of papers, it's a lot of uh, bureaucratic stuff. I can't even tell you how much it is because it was like over my head and then just uh, we have had somebody at Sargent House at our management and our label who, who told us now you have to do this, now you have to do that and we will pay this much and this cost that much and it was like... And, yeah, the good thing was we had a whole um, a whole schedule in front of us, so we had a visa for a year. So we d- we didn't have to reapply for every year. So because uh, we were on tour uh, last year, uh, and so from October, so we had one year visa from October till now. Yeah, t- from October 2019 till uh, October 2020. So that was the good thing that we, we were applied to have a. A full year visa, but it was yeah, it's horrible that we couldn't come in May. And I was wondering, is that have you guys tried, or do you know if they will extend that visa because of uh, the pandemic? I, I don't know how that would work. Do you know if have you heard any news of how they're gonna? Because you guys had a tour booked out here. I mean, you can show paperwork saying, "Hey, we're gonna play out here in March." Um, is there any news that maybe they're going to help bands out in that way? Or, or do you feel it's going to be kind of just no-win situation for you guys? I, I don't have any no any answer. news about that. But my my gut feeling is saying that we just have to apply for a new visa if we want to come back next year. It's like it's like that. Yeah, yeah. That's unfortunate, man. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's, probably, it's, it's probably the case. So let's talk about the show, though, the, the live album. Now... After the pandemic happened, you guys kind of went back and revisited this uh, record because you kind of did this in your hometown. Is that correct? Yes, mm. it's uh, it's in Ghent. It's uh, yeah, the city that Stephanie lives here now, and I live here now. So uh, yeah, two of the three Oprutas live in Ghent now. And back one year ago, we also lived here when the show was happening. So it's a hometown show. And now since the pandemic, we also uh, have a little studio rehearsal space here now because that was in our old town, like one hour away from here, like Leuven. And we, we the first six years of the band were, were in Leuven, in, in, the, in the place where we, yeah, where we met and where we started playing. But then we moved here and now we, we are really almost against band 
to, to be honest. Nice. Now, hometown shows for a lot of people um, are a lot more relaxed. Did you feel more stressful knowing that it was going to be, because uh, this is videotaped as well. It's, you recorded the sound. You guys did all that, right, for this show, but you didn't know you were going to release it at this time. Is, is that correct or am I wrong on anything? No, you're correct. We, we we were not stressed because of the recordings and the video because we did we had no plan to do this live album at all. It was just like uh, Henrik, who is the guy who did uh, the video. He was he is a friend of us and a fan, and he was like, "I want to do one of your shows," and we already emailed back and forth, and then this was the, the show that fitted his agenda and fitted our agenda, and uh, that's how the video came with the, with the show and then uh, our sound guy uh, Thomas he has this new fancy mixing desk where you can record what you're doing and um, we, we were on tour back then and and it's like sometimes some days he hit record and sometimes he didn't hit record he sometimes he forgot but for this show we knew yeah Henrik is here with the video so maybe you can record it maybe maybe you never know and that's that's how it got recorded. But we had no idea that we would do a, a live album with the recordings at all. That was not the plan. Oh, happy accidents are the best thing when it comes to art. I yes. always I always feel that. And uh, so when you guys look back at it, you I, I, if I remember saying something, you felt like the live presentation because your band is such a, a live band in a lot of ways. Um, the live presentation, you felt the songs uh, lived more on this live presentation than they did on the record. Did do you did you feel that way still or no? Yeah, that's the crazy thing with songs. So you write songs in in your rehearsal space, and then you you go to a you do a process, and then you go to a, a studio and record them. And we were lucky that some shows, uh, some songs, sorry, we we had played on tour. It's like two songs maybe that we were already experienced in in a live live environment. But if with the songs that, that you can't do that, you you record them. And then it's like version one, 1. 1.0. But then you go on tour and you play them like 20, 30, 40 times. Like, and then they start living. Like the tempos change, the emotions change. And it's not like big things. We, we don't cut verses and make big new songs of it. But yeah, it's like some some songs are better faster. Some songs are better slower than the the tempo you decided in the studio. Or sometimes we change also as people. And sometimes we are in a special mood or we are in an aggressive mood and then the, the set is more aggressive. And Stephanie is in a different mood and then the, the set will go this way or that way. And yeah, it's a song. It has to live a little, you know. I, I hear like for all along the song that's coming out this week, it's like... Um, the, the third note that Stan is playing is not the same note as on as on the on the record, but we like it more now than we when we recorded it on the album. And when when you when people should um, compare some songs, Stephanie is singing a different melody. Like it's details, but sometimes the fun is in the details, and that, that's why we we like this song so much. Um, most of them are better than the studio songs. Dude. Um, this is going to be an on-the-spot kind of question, but in the top of your head, can you think of a song that you prefer the live version on the record that you've heard over like the studio version? I've got a ton, but I was just curious if you can think of one. <laughs> I think Cemetery, for sure. Yeah. Sugar Dragon, too. Oh, nice. Um, mm, I don't know. Those two are my favorites. That's I have to check that the track list i think distance too because it's i think it's a little bit slower and more groovy than it's on the on the album yeah it's yeah it depends but the, the cemetery for sure nice now some oh, um like growing up uh what do you think would be one of your favorite um artists live records that came out did you ever have a live record that you played more than the actual studio album from another artist growing up yes <laughs> but <laughs> Um, for me, that's that's Machine Head, uh, Hell Alive album wow. from nice. from I don't know from two thousand and whatever. It's like it's like that's the uh, yeah, the guys in my in my school were like fans of Machine Head, but I I was not really into Machine Head or I was too late with Machine Head. I don't know. And then I listened to the album and it's like, like a real good roundup of the first two or three albums. I think yeah, the the way that uh, Rob Flynn takes over the 
the arena, yeah, the venue. I think it's in London, if I if I ever right. Correct. He's he's like like he's the man. He's fucking taking the venue, and it's I like that a lot. How how he pumps up the the audience and yeah, how they play it. It's yeah. That's my favorite live album. <laughs> Dude, for people that don't know, it's, uh, if I remember, it's called Hell Alive, like you said. And um, yes. it was right after Supercharger. And so, but yes. the single for Supercharger, I believe, was a song called Crashing Around You. And the intro of him speaking on that record was one of the best, like, intros before a song hit. You know what I'm talking about on that record? Yes, like, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the, dude, that's a perfect band because Rob Flynn is such a, great front man yeah. when he comes to intros to songs but yeah yeah i've got a, i've got so many i prefer live records to studio records because like you said there's a lot there's a livingness to it i've always done that my whole life if if a band puts out a live record and i don't connect to it it, it kind of affects me in the band down the road like yeah <laughs> it's crazy so we, yeah. yeah but we were we were a little bit scared because oh. we we had this idea, like, but we're just such a young band. We only we only have two st- studio albums, mm-hmm. and now releasing a live album. It's it's a, releasing a live album. You do that when you have like six studio albums, and you can put your best songs on it. But yeah, it's different times now with 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 the pandemic and all live music is gone, and and it's a year a horrible year for live band. So we felt like no, if if yeah, that's the reason we will do it. We do it because to bring live music to, to everybody. And yeah, not because we are on our sixth studio album <laughs> and we think we should do a live album. I'm with you. I think this is the best time to release it. Cause I've been on the nothing but the binge of the streaming shows, which we'll talk about um, the, the live albums, the live DVDs. I'm just pumping myself up for when I can get back out there. But um, there's, I think this is the perfect time because it's going to, it just, I want to hear, I want to, I want to see you guys live and I can't. So give me what I can, the best representation I can. And this is, this is going to be it. So I think a lot of fans are going to feel that way. So I'm really happy and excited that you guys are doing a live album at this point, you you know, to be honest with you. So, and um, one thing I did want to, we talked about as a hometown show, the cover art I thought was very cool. That is your stepson writing, by the way, his handwriting is great. If, if that's his actual handwriting. (laughs) Um, I don't know how old I don't know. I don't know how old he is, but he looks young. And um, writing the set list, tell us the story behind that picture. Yeah, we we were on. Yeah, he turned nine yesterday. Oh, so. his handwriting's so yeah. good. Oh man, I'm yeah. a stepdad too. And no, my, my kid's ten, yeah. but his handwriting, no. <laughs> right yeah, here. but you, you see, the thing is, the funny thing is, the 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 playlist you can see it's not his handwriting, but he's he's like doubling it on the on the right on the paper on next to oh, it. Oh, that's what it is. You yes. see, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, but the thing is, we were on tour back then, and if, and if you if you play in your hometown, then it's a thing that your family has to come by, and they can come backstage and have dinner. And yeah, for us, it's important, especially what yeah what, the album Nest we did was a lot about family and and what we went through the, um, to go on tour a lot and missing our family and and making choices that hurt people but you want to do do stuff and then um at the hometown show they just had to be there so uh my girlfriend was there he was there and he started writing yeah our tech leo he, who normally writes all the playlists he i think he had the idea to uh to make jewels uh jewels yeah uh, i don't know how you say it in english but in dutch it's jewel uh, yeah, asked him to uh to write the playlist and then we have uh, here to is with us a lot to take pictures, and he just did that picture, and it was in yeah it was in a set of thirty maybe forty pictures, and then we had to do the artwork for the album, and I was like I did the artwork myself, and I was playing a lot with live photos of us on stage and like Stephanie drumming along, and and the backside of the album was like Jules writing the playlist, and then I did some designs with all live energy live photos on the on the front and then i showed it to stan and stephanie and they were like yeah maybe yeah medium and enthusiastic like not really there and then i i showed them the back cover and they were like no no that has to be the cover 
that has to be the cover. So then I, we changed it and we put jewels on the cover. That's the story behind it. Oh, that's really cool. No, I, I, I love the cover. Yeah. So I'm glad that they saw that. Oh, nice. And, but that wasn't his handwriting. I gave him credit. I looked at it. I'm like, man, I was going to show, I was <laughs> going to, I was going to go show my, my step kid. I'm like, look at his handwriting. Cause we work on writing all the time. And it's, it's like, uh, he doesn't keep the words together. He writes like, you know, say spelling sock, it's going to be S, the two spaces, O, C, K. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this guy's got it down, man. <laughs> so, but, uh, oh, well. He's replicating. He's re- you can see a, a, he did the first two or three songs, yes. I think, and, and um, then you can see his real. But to be honest, he is a really good writer. That's and uh, now in the, pan- in the pandemic time now, he was at home and he did a typing course, mm-hmm. like online, like studying and now we can type blind like full all the numbers and the dollar signs and the quotes and the everything so it's crazy i can even do that he learned it during yeah get no school so do something <laughs> you you know it's crazy and i don't know if, if if you have this experience but um the the like i said i have a step kid he's 10 and when it comes to computer stuff or, or things that they can pick up on quickly, like video games is my prime example because I'll play video games with him all the time. And my brain cannot connect on that same speed as he does. And he just crushes yeah. me in everything. Do you, do you have that experience as well or no? Yes, I can't beat him on uh, FIFA, uh, FIFA the, the soccer game. You, you can know? beat him on FIFA? I can't. No, 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 oh, I, can't. Yeah, no I can't. I can't. I can't. No, 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 I can't. And then he, he has this new trick and he doesn't want to tell me how he does it. <laughs> Dude, it's that's like, the worst. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he does it all the time. I'm like, just tell me how to do it. Like, no, it's like an inside secret, right? And I'm like, I can Google yeah. this. And <laughs> but you won't do it. That's hilarious. I pulled out a chessboard the other day. I go, let's try this. And he just looked at me and laughed. I'm like, come on, man. I got to beat you in something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we've been playing uh, Mario Party. And that's been the back and forth. Yeah. That's been my... That's more in my wheelhouse, though. So I kind of feel like he's playing an old, an old person game for me. <laughs> so, but uh, oh, man, that's that's probably that's it's crazy because that's probably my biggest bonding moment is in video games. I mean, obviously there's teaching, there's all these other things, but uh, during the pandemic we can't really go outside and do things as much. You know, um, is the schooling the same way out there? Like they're doing it via computer, or is it they're still going to school? Uh, the schools opened like two weeks ago. The mm. schools are back open. They were like, they closed in March and then they opened for three weeks, like just before summer. We have a two month summer holiday over here, like June, July and August are like totally off, no schools. And then they opened back on September 1st. Um, and yeah, they're open now for two weeks. So our, our kids are out here are doing it like via computer, Skype, like the schools aren't going to open. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's he loves it like a lot more. Yeah, he prefers it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, he yeah. he did it. He also did it like in the pandemic, at, like at the end. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and now he's back to school. He likes it that he can see his friends again. That's good. Yes, but absolutely. For the for 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 learning stuff, I think he likes more to be on his own. It's like more of a easy introvert kid, and he likes to study on his own instead of in a busy classroom. I think. But yeah, that's what I mean. I, I, I learned that. I, I think that's a lot of us would learn e- easier without the classroom setting, which is, uh, but you need that social thing, you know, growing up. It's so yeah, important, yeah. you know, um, but I think I can learn more focused the way they're doing it out here right now, or they did towards the end of the pandemic. So I do want to bring up uh, nest because, you know, the record, it made our best of list last year, best records of the year. Um, yes, yeah, so it was awesome. And thank uh, you. you're very welcome. <laughs> thank, thank you. We, yeah, we, we're yeah, a huge fan of that. And um, so, um, but the momentum of that record, this pandemic kind of, I don't know what it did, but I still want that record to get a full tour cycle. But I don't know if you guys are like, look, this is the time to write a new record. So what is the, the, the process in your mind? Because we want that record to live. We want it to get that whole cycle, but we're stopped right now. And uh, so what is your guys' process? Are you thinking about making a new record right now or do you guys still want that nest to kind of get a little more time out there with the fans? We would like to do the boat. <laughs> like we, we, uh, we are writing new songs right now, like this summer and like the first three months of the pandemic, we were not allowed to meet up and not allowed to rehearse and because of... Yeah, we, we were all in quarantine, but um, now we are writing new songs, and yeah, if we can go back 
playing festivals or you know, tours next year, we will introduce some new songs um, that we are writing now. I hope so that we can like because, like I told you earlier, like the way songs shape up when you play them live, or like it's important for that you can play songs, new songs live before you record them. Mm-hmm. because yeah it's, it's a whole different feeling sometimes we played songs live like one time and then we totally skipped it or we changed it like big time or because you yeah, it's different in your rehearsal space than uh, on a stage it's, and you have no audience you have no energy that's going back of you even if it's a new song and nobody knows it you can still feel something that's i can't put words on it but it's it's something that you feel on stage about that new song and it's very important so if if to answer your question we want to uh, bring nests out more and then combine it with some new songs and then record them after <laughs> after that perfect perfect answer i, I love that because i want new music and i want nest to get its due so i think that that's the perfect way to do it now you know, normally when you have six records in and you put out a live record like you were talking about, there's going to be a song, one or two, that kind of fall because you don't get to perform them all live and all that stuff. But with two records, what song in your guys' catalog do you wish you played live more that you, could, you can kind of give it more of an expansive kind of sound that didn't get, the, didn't, didn't get its due? That will be different for the three of us, I think. Mm. Um, for me, personally, that's... Probably the song "Not Caring" from Burst, the third song on the album. It's yeah, I really like that song, and we we I don't think we yeah we we played it live in in Ghent. You can Google, you can YouTube that. We played it with the with the, with a different vocalist, like with the guest appearance from Brent from uh, Stake. It's a Belgian Belgian metal band. Stake. They were Stake number eight. Now they are Stake, and uh, he did the vocals, and that was crazy. Um, but not caring is one of the songs I want to play live, and we never only once or twice played it live. I think, and for I know definitely for Stan, I think that's Bird. I'm not sure, but I think it's Bird. It's a good question. And for Stephanie, I don't know. I don't know for Stephanie. I can't answer that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, def- it's definitely different for the three of us. Which song? Because pl- making a playlist for live shows, it's like it's horrible. It's horrible process because. Everybody has different favorites, and everybody wants to, yeah. And it's not like personal favorites, but it's just like, yeah, you, some songs you think that's that are brutal songs, and you want to bring them to the people. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah, you can't play them all. And the truth is also because we have a singing drummer, we also have to be smart about it. We can we can't do everything. Sometimes she has to sing and she has to drum, and we have to be smart sometimes with playlists. It is it is what it is. But I think that's for every singer. You you can you can't do twelve screaming songs if you're not a screamer or if you want to combine it with normal vocals. So we have to be smart about some songs. That's a that's a very good point you brought up, and that's something that I think the fans. I wonder if they know because I mean, for me, I've seen many I've seen many screaming or screaming. I'm sorry, many singing drummers. Um, but you're right. There's there's different performances. Like the the one that comes to mind is is Braun from Mastodon, where I've seen if they if he has to sing six songs in a row by that last song, he's almost out of breath, you know, um, mm-hmm. because they're they're playing as fast as they you know they play and all that stuff. And it's right. But if they spread them out, it seems like it's such a good thing. But Stephanie plays the entire set singing. There's not um, yes. the whole vocalist thing. So, um, do you guys ever? Um, think about like do you guys write certain songs or have little segues for her to stop so she, she so she can catch her breath maybe in a song do you guys take that in consideration when writing not not uh, I'm looking for the right word not on purpose oh gotcha yeah. uh, it's like more it, it, it comes automatically when we are writing that that like yeah it's we don't we don't have to talk about it it's just how songs shape up that it's um we we maybe did the mistake in one or two songs that we added vocals in the studio and not while writing so that and and then Stephanie had a really hard time like oh my god now I'm drumming this part and I also have to sing but it was only in the first album then we we learned about that <laughs> and then in the second album it, we we, lo- we wrote all of the the vocals like 
just to be sure that we can combine them with the drumming and and us writing songs it's like it comes natural to she she it's also like it's like energy um like bringing your energy on the right moments and either she's doing the energy with her drums or she's doing with the vocals and sometimes she's doing both, but yeah, she's that's how it comes actually. So right now, you just said that there's there's two albums, and it's it's difficult to let a couple songs go away. Six six albums later, you guys are going to be man. The set list is going to be really tough, um, especially for like a, a you know picking it because there's going to be so many songs. But that's what's great about you guys is that every song you guys have, there's no throwaway. And the two records you put out, every song is really really good and i think the fans all want to see a certain one which is which is excellent thank so, you you're very welcome thank man. you man you're very welcome so with this uh with this live thing i want to promote it one more time before we run out of time everybody brutus live in hint is out october 23rd make sure you guys go to youtube and check out the videos they got out right now there's two there's going to be a third one you said coming out this week is it fourth fourth one fourth one i'm so because- sorry yeah, we already uh, did the first and the last song of the set like a year ago, and we thought that would be everything we would do. And then the pandemic came, and then we decided to put everything. And we also we have the full set, and it will drop by drop. It will come like online. Um, and uh, Fire and Sugar Dragon already up there, and Cemetery is up there. And then on Thursday, the fourth song will be up there. Nice, dude. Nice. So, do you like releasing live stuff that you have planned, pre-planned, and all that stuff, or do you like doing it kind of like this one came together, like just organically, natural people helping out, and then it being like, here you go, and it turns out well. How do you prefer? Yes. Do you like a lot of the planning ahead of time, or is it more like this is the way you like to do things? As, as a person, I, I like planning ahead of time, mm. but I like, but I, I look, I look at it. Like this, I would plan to record twenty sets of song uh, or concerts, and then pick one. I don't want to plan exactly that uh, show we're gonna record to put like this live album. It's like it still has to have a lot of um, authenticity to it, and not like too much plans. But I like to plan, to be honest. So I can't say no to that. <laughs> I like to know what's up and just just to. Yeah, to have the best result at the end. But this wasn't planned, and if we would plan a new live album in like 10 years from now, we, we I would try to create it that it would be authentic and honest and not like, oh no, they are filming this important show and we all have, to, our hair has to be good and our shoes has to be good and stuff like that. I would hate that. So it has to be real. Yeah. That's important. Absolutely, man. No, I'm with you. I, I, the realness is is what's there, and it's what's captured on this one, guys. So, everybody, one more time, if you haven't, check out the, the new live record from Brutus, October 23rd, live at Hient. And, guys, if you haven't, it's still new. One of our favorite records of last year, Nest. Make sure you guys are picking that record up. Fantastic record. It's grown on me. If I had to do my best of list again, it would have grown up like at least five numbers. That's what I'm trying to say. So that's, <laughs> I want to redo, I want to redo lists every five years. I want to go back and be like, what I say in 2015 and be like, nah, I'm not going to change that order. Because you know, like, yeah. some, sometimes you get a record in October and you put it at number like 13 and then it's like a year later, you're like, that's like number two. You know, like so, because you, you get, music needs time. It needs, needs time. time. Everything yeah. in art needs time. Music, movies, everything. So with that, Peter, I want to thank you so much man for calling in to the metal sucks podcast thank you for having having a chat and uh, putting all the time and effort in us it's cool thank you
The Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. First song you heard is off their new live record. We just discussed it in the interview, Live and Gent. It is coming out October 23rd, guys. That song is Cemetery. Fantastic track, fantastic album. Make sure you guys are pre-ordering this. Go to YouTube, as we mentioned, and see some of these videos live. They're on there. They're posted up there right now. Second song you heard is from a band called Boundaries. That song is called Carve. Their new record, Your Receding Warmth, is coming out November 13th, guys. So if you like that song, make sure you check out the record. It's, it's a barn burner. You guys will enjoy it. And the last song is not from none other than Uniform. That track, Life in Remission, is off their new album, Shame, which is out right now, guys. Make sure if you haven't picked it up or listened to it, you check it out ASAP. Three great records. Make sure you guys are checking these bands out. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews. We keep getting on that good old Apple iTunes. Thank you. Thank you, thank, man. Thank Every you. time we look... Hold on a second. Wait. Gracias. Oh, wait, 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 mm. oh, wait, wait, wait. Thank you. Did you hear the ellipsis? Mm-hmm. You should have done the Spanish. Mm. Gracias. You know what? You sold out because you said you're always going to say dot, 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 same syllables, and then you oh, just went to ellipsis, dude. Oh, shit. You just sold hold out. On. Wait, 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 wait. 25 wait. years ago, I'd say fuck Brandon Hunt. Hold on a second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, uh. whoa. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you all for supporting. Dot, dot, dot. Yes. Our other podcast, guys, Rise to Offend, our documentary podcast. Go ahead, guys. If you haven't checked it out, make sure it's on all your podcast platforms. Uh, Jerry Springer is complete. Yes. So if you guys want to go listen to two hours of uh, the Jerry Springer story, quite interesting, if you may ask me. Yeah, like uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that. Don't ruin it for people. I'm just saying it's, it's, like, it's yeah. It, I, 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 like I walked away with like I, with like more hatred and more respect. But, I don't know how you do it. No, I get it. We've done odorous urungus guys. If you haven't in past episodes, we've done Trey and Matt from South Park. Can't wait till their uh, <laughs> more respect. Their, their their new season comes out to uh, tell the world about uh, what we're dealing with right now. It's I'm excited about it. So with that, everybody, until next week. Dot, dot, dot. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.